0: Warm ups, not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I have to. I care to expand
0: on that. Ah, I just woke up feeling real dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, everybody, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podcasts, Stitcher, pretty much anything. When you guys see us, give us a five-star review because it helps other people find this podcast as well. I'm your host, Plus we Kamer, deserve it. Robbie, yeah, we do deserve it, yeah, right? Of course. And we we've, we've gotten nothing but five-star reviews yet. So we, don't and, jinx it. Yeah, don't but... jinx it. So I'm joined today by Jack Shields. It is a Monday. How's your week so far?
1: Uh uh-huh was in Tulsa yesterday for Tulsa Tough, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's all centered around like a cycling race, which is actually the largest cycling purse in all of the United States, but no one goes for the cycling. They just go to a party along the track, essentially, on Crybaby Hill, and it's a whole lot of fun. And this year, I'm not violently hungover, I didn't get sunburned, and I'm not covered in glitter, so I think I'm becoming an adult, slowly but surely.
0: Tulsa tough. Is there anything like that in OKC? That's no, like comparable.
1: Not really. Like what is it?
0: Is it, so it's, it's like
1: it, like Crybaby Hill is like a giant hill in Tulsa, like kind of near the Arkansas River, right? And like the the last day of the race basically goes around that. They hmm. keep going around in laps, but like, uh, yeah, it's it's quite a thing. I it, it's definitely a. Bit of a secret to the rest of Oklahoma. Like it's a huge party, though. Like it's a big thing in Tulsa. Well, you should check it out. Bucket list thing for sure.
0: The Tulsa Tough is it the same time every year?
1: Yeah, sounds
0: interesting. I mean, yesterday, I think it was yes yeah, it was yesterday. I uh, was hang- just hanging out in the living room in the morning after I got some coffee, and that mix- sounds like a good Sunday. Yeah, it's a good Sunday, and the next thing you know. All the people on the weather are saying, hey, by the way, there's like 80 mile per hour winds, and there
1: are multiple trees down everywhere. Yeah, the guy who rode with me yesterday, he couldn't get to my apartment because his apartment's parking lot was flooded, and he couldn't get to his truck. So we were an hour late leaving because of this uh, storm.
0: But it's June now, so that means the Nader's are, I don't want to jinx it, are done, but that now just means like we're going to have like heat waves and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, it's... uh. About to be, well, this week is supposed to be just kind of nice, like highs of 80, Yeah, which is perfect for June. It's, it's going nice, to be nice. It's nice outside today. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it was, I haven't really been outside much today, honestly, but.
0: If there weren't mosquitoes about, we'd be podcasting on the porch, probably.
1: There you go. We can do that eventually. Yeah, it
0: would be nice. Well, we got a lot of stuff planned for you guys today. We've got some commitments to talk about, some possible commitments, definitely some guys that you guys should be very wary about as far as. Lincoln Riley emoji watch. I mean, even this evening, we're all like watching our phones just in case a Lincoln Riley alert comes up. Some summer ball stuff, onto some Sooner football, and just some things regarding the basketball team, uh, what Emmanuel Wacho said, and just a lot of stuff. So let's get into it. Oklahoma gains two commitments one day within like 20 minutes of each other, and Brian Darby, who was a camper in one of their Houston satellite camps, and Seth McGowan, McGowan excuse me, uh from Mesquite, Texas running back that his his profile like on two four seven as far as prospect ranking is really weird. He was at one point the twenty the rank the number twentieth prospect in the United States and has sank sank sunken sunken to like a hundred something, even like like almost two hundred something for God knows why. But what are your thoughts on both these guys?
1: Well first of all We could stick with calling him McGowan, because that would be a nice nickname, because he can move now. He can move now. I mean, he's McGowan. Uh Uh-huh, and uh, the Darby kid, though, (laughs) is uh, kind of, uh, he's he's interesting. That was kind of an unexpected commit, like, as we've been talking about. Under the radar. Yeah, under the radar, he, I guess, camped as a wide receiver. Yeah. But do you think he... Is a better fit as a defensive back at Oklahoma? Would oh, you say? Oh man,
0: he's like about six foot two oh five, and yeah. I mean he fits. He fits that idea of what you want for another another Alex Grinch defensive back. He's thick. He's like he reminds me one hundred percent of Jordan Smallwood, and I was watching as a receiver. Yeah, as yeah. a receiver, and um, you sometimes I you know. We podcast in my den, and in the den, sometimes I watch old Oklahoma Sooners, you know, games. And I was watching two thousand OU versus Nebraska, it, just because I was nostalgic.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, for a good defense and um, Josh Norman, man. Oh
1: man, love Josh Norman,
0: a former running back. Yep, converts to like H back slash wide receiver, basically like Jordan. What Jordan Smallwood did, yeah, and just made big plays. Actually, has have his autograph. Really? Yeah, I met him, at, met him at like a church camp or something. That's odd. He wanted to be drafted by the Houston Texans, and I think he ended up going and playing tight end for the Chargers for a minute. It was
1: the Chargers, yeah. He was there for like two years, I think. But. Got a little paycheck.
0: Brian Darby, he camped as a wide receiver. From what I understand, Lincoln Riley likes him as a wide receiver, and there's no way he's playing outside uh, inside. That's no. a 100% H-back sort of outside receiver kind of dude. He's athletic as all get out, but at the same time. If it's not working out, I could easily see him being a defensive back.
1: Like within his first camp on campus, like <laughs> yeah, making that switch. Like it just seems natural to me.
0: And this 2020 class, it's gonna be having. It's gonna be a little light in comparison to past classes. They just don't have the scholarships, and it's you know it's just a weak class. And uh, this is a class where you're gonna have to have Lincoln Riley. Alex Grinch and all of their guys really evaluating talent instead of like going out and getting the big guns. Yeah. And that's that's why you're hearing all the big names for twenty twenty one, but twenty twenty, it's guys like Brian Darby. Seth McGowan is gonna be one of your biggest pickups. I mean And that's fine.
1: if you've been, I mean, obviously we've talked about this, but OU is pretty much you know way ahead of the curve as far as twenty twenty one prospects are concerned, mm-hmm. especially on offense. So there's no need to threat to fret there. But Brock vandagriff oh yeah. he's not a commit yet, but he's <laughs> constantly on campus. <laughs> yeah. He loves Lincoln, Lincoln yeah. loves him.
0: But Seth McGowan, we've already talked. We talked about him several times. He's just, he's got the hands. He's an elite prospect. Don't know why he dropped so low after being ranked the number 20th prospect in the United States at one point. Doesn't make any sense. But, I mean, it just continues to add to that stable of running backs, dynamic running backs, said Oklahoma. He's a violent runner.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's like we mentioned, he's got a little bit of Trey Sermon in him, Mm -hmm. a little bit of Kennedy Brooks. There's a shade of Rodney in there with the burst. I mean, he could... Ceiling's pretty high there, and, I mean, it's crazy. He's not even – he's not the best back committed in this class for Oklahoma. Jace McClellan is a beast as well and has been a beast since he was a freshman in high school, even before that. I mean, you know, he's – I think OU's going to be fine at running back. I mean, it's never an issue. It really isn't. It hasn't been an issue. Even in OU's down years, OU was great at running back. I mean –
0: When was the last time Oklahoma – had a running back that you were like, ugh.
1: That wasn't that great. They
0: were I mean they they were, you know, average.
1: Brennan Clay.
0: Brennan Clay was average. Yeah. He was he, he was an average. He was very back.
1: his senior year, he was very serviceable, like yeah. really good had, pass he had blocker. Moments. He had big moments. He had his big moments. He was dependable. But he wasn't a star, obviously, which and you're, you're accustomed to having stars at the running back position in Oklahoma. So
0: Yeah, Brennan Clay, I remember that he one He kind of had
1: to carry the load late in that magical run of 2013 for you because Damian did. Williams got kicked off the team. Yeah,
0: gosh, I remember that, too. He still, I don't think Damian Williams even claims Oklahoma in the NFL. I think He still, does. Oh, does? Yeah, yeah, He's think he does? He's not claiming Oklahoma. the Juco
1: anymore? I don't think so. I think he claims Because I know
0: Stoops let him back on for like pro day and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that kind of helped, but...
0: I remember 2009. Remember when, like, all those running backs got hurt? Yeah, yeah. Was it 2009? They played the Bears? Oh, no, it was 2005. Sorry, they had Red Beaumont. Well, five,
1: that was the case, and a six, that was the case as well, because they had to bring a... It was, like, Chris Brown out a red shirt, no six, In 05, There was that situation too, where Jacob
0: Gutierrez, Jacob Gutierrez, was Jacob playing Gutierrez in like, triple was overtime the, with the Bears.
1: Yep, he had like a he had over a hundred yards that day.
0: And Rep. Omar couldn't throw a touchdown pass to save his life, which was the norm for that season.
1: At that point, later on, he was looking really good, and he was gonna be damn good that year in 06. But uh, yeah, that's the way it goes, Big Red Sports and Imports, Big Red Sports and Imports, I thirty five Norman.
0: Yeah, not yep. th- and him, and J.D. Quinn. JD yeah. Quinn. Man, I remember when that came out, everybody was like, oh, crap. Oh, God, it's Adrian Peterson working at Big Red Sports and Imports. And then that was, like, the rumor.
1: Adrian uh, Peterson had his own things that were yeah. rumored, but uh, we won't that's get into true. that. But, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, that's true. There's that's, a lot of that. Talk but, about uh, some recruiting emojis. So, there were once five, but now we're down to four because... Uh, burns safety that committed to lsu yeah he was one of the five emojis mm-hmm. and so then that leaves you with four well now you just had brian darby we don't know if he's one of the eyes i've heard he's not sent out because it happened so sudden yeah I've heard he, he's not. he got the offer and was like next day late like he just called coaching yeah. committed
1: don't think he was one of the eyeballs
0: i don't i'm not sure so seth mcgowan was definitely one of the eyeballs so there's two three left we're not completely sure here and uh, But it just makes you think, again, how long do you, with that Lincoln Riley, with the idea behind when do you send out the eye emojis? Because you had a guy, so and so, you know, Major Burns committed, and next thing you know, he's wearing an LSU jersey saying he's committed to the guys in Baton Rouge, even though you sent the eyeballs out for him. So, like, when do you send that out, and when 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 do they publicly come out?
1: Oh, I mean, it doesn't really matter that much to me personally because i mean i'm not living and dying by whether ou gets a commit or not mm-hmm. but if, if i were him maybe like the day before or something like that just yeah, tease it a little bit like don't do it if you're expecting the guy to commit like three months down the line that doesn't that just just to me that doesn't make sense but if you're trying to generate buzz i mean he's calculated he knows what he's doing but i mean sometimes it backfires i guess
0: do you think it's any coincidence that Major Burns has a na- major announcement to commit on the same day that OU has two commitments? you think there's any coincidence there?
1: Mm, don't think that's a coincidence at all. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't think there is either. But there's some guys to watch out for that have been on campus recently. And some guys are on campus this weekend, and Perry and Winfrey, or I couldn't nail it down if it was Perry and or I don't know what. Parian
1: Winfrey. He, he's, Winfrey. He's, he's not related to Oprah that I know of. I know, you know that we know be.
0: of. 2020 JUCO prospect, uh, defensive tackle. Also, they hosted Tyler Barron, who's a 2020, just a defensive tackle. He's a senior. He's going to be a senior in high school. Uh, these guys, uh, they're both defensive tackles, both big, massive dudes that would play tackle and in this defense. And, um, you know, Winfrey. Winfrey looks really good. Yeah. And immediate his, contributor type he is an immediate contributor sort of type um some people you know are afraid of the comparison of him and quincy russell but i think winfrey's actually good to go on his academic side yeah but secondly it's just watching the tape he's a big dude like six foot five 305 or six foot four 305 pounds massive his shoulder pad level um, he's like kind of a jack-in-the-box sometimes. As soon as the ball snapped, he kind of stands straight up instead of going forward and pushing through. So that's kind of concerning, but that's not something you can't be coached out of. Course, of course, yeah. Um, I mean, he would be an immediate contributor. He's got offers from LSU, Alabama, Florida State, but at the same time, We're not completely sure if those offers, at least from Alabama, are committable at the moment. Yeah, that's how it
1: is with Alabama quite a bit. But
0: but at the same time, even if if Alabama and LSU are looking at this kid like, hey, we might want him on our team, you have to take a look at him, especially if you're Oklahoma that needs these bodies. So, I mean, the idea was if the weekend went well, whereas if the weekend went like it was supposed to, Oklahoma might be with a commitment today. Like we might have, we might, that's why we're looking at our phones because, you know, it could happen at any any moment that, or, you know, within the next couple weeks, I have a very good feeling that he feels very comfortable in Norman. Yeah. Tyler Barron is another prospect. I mean, he's
1: kind of an interesting backstory there as far as his family connection though.
0: Yeah. Dad Patrick is actually on staff for the football team. At the University of Tennessee, or Tennessee University, what what are they? University of Tennessee. In in Knoxville, of course, and he's a director of high school relations. So, I mean, Oklahoma's put themselves in in the race for, you know, getting his services at defensive tackle. But at the end of the day, it doesn't help that dad is University of Tennessee in Knoxville. In this guy, you know, is being recruited by Tennessee, of course.
1: Then again, you know, at the same time, you don't necessarily want to go to the school where your your parents are living in that town. You know, I I, I wouldn't. I grew up in Edmond. I wouldn't want to go to UCO because of that. Just because I grew up in Edmond, yeah, because I'd be too close to home. I'd I'd want to get away. Maybe he feels the same way. You never know.
0: Isn't wasn't there was it Sean Robinson's dad at TCU or like or somebody's dad or no not Sean Robinson. The previous quarterback or wide receiver, he was a big time guy. Uh, he was one of their best players. It was one of the wide receivers. Like uh, he was out versus Oklahoma and Norman, and it was a big deal.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I can't I remember, remember his name, about. but um, his
0: dad is on staff at TCU. Is it be No, it's the other one. <sighs> eh, doesn't matter. Well. Yeah. But so Tyler Barron, Oklahoma. That was ages ago. Yeah, it was. It seems like it. Oklahoma's in the thick of things for Tyler Barron, but at the same time. Don't know if their hat's going to be enough in the ring for them to get that commitment just because of, you know, where they're at geographically and where Tyler specifically is at geographically. Somebody that does fit in Oklahoma's geographic realm, because Lincoln Riley is now deciding to say, hey, we are going to get the Oklahoma prospects. Yep. And we're going to make everybody feel comfortable, and we're not going to look at you know we're not going to turn away Tulsa kids. And they're looking
1: at the good old McGinnis kid too.
0: Yeah, and you know they just offered the kid out of, the, out of Weatherford yep. who didn't. We weren't sure if he was going to get it. I think it's Ethan Downs.
1: Yeah, yeah, tight end or and, slash defensive band, end. Yeah.
0: yeah, and Brendan Walker, Bishop McGinnis. His we've said his name in like the last three podcasts. Yep. I wouldn't be surprised. He's a big Oklahoma lean. It almost right now.
1: seems like. Not if, but when at this point.
0: It almost seems inevitable. Yeah,
1: it's it's an awfully soft commitment to Oklahoma State right now. And
0: the only thing that is keeping him seemingly from not committing to Oklahoma right now, which is, of course, a flagship university in the state, it's like, you know, getting an offer from OSU is awesome. That's great. D1 prospect in Oklahoma, that's great. But getting an offer from almost the establishment in Oklahoma is what really... A lot of kids are looking at for a at least a seal of approval, Uh
1: validation.
0: Brendan Walker, he got his offer and he committed to OSU, but and he's had that he's been in communication with that staff for a long time, and so he's had he has relationships over prestige and you know eyes and TV sets on him all the time, especially if he wants to come in and be successful. So. He's a big OU lean at this point. I think, you know, again, it's inevitable his commitment to Oklahoma, but who knows? It looks like it could. it's going to go Oklahoma's way.
1: Yeah, and it's, that's exciting because he's, you know, he'd be a perfect fit for the rush linebacker Oh, position. definitely,
0: definitely, especially with Oklahoma flooded almost at certain linebacker spots that, you know, you're going to have transfers out and you're going to have guys that come right in. And, you know, another guy that's already committed – which we need to keep an eye on, is Ryan Watts. The biggest defensive back I've ever seen in my life committed to OU, like at corner.
1: Like Like physically, you mean? Yeah.
0: Oh, he's massive. Yeah. Like what, 6'3", 215 or something like that? Big dude. And he's already committed. It's great. When he committed, him and Dante Manning, it's like wonderful. Holy crap. Like the, the change of the guard of small defensive backs is finally happening. And he's gonna take his visits to I think LSU if I'm I think LSU but the most notable one that Oklahoma fans should be looking at is Penn State which he coined as his dream school several times in tweets and when he got offered by them so I mean when you recruit elite when you recruit elite talent other people are gonna come by and they're gonna to try to poach it from you
1: of course and I mean I mean I mean I wouldn't sleep on LSU there. <laughs> Obviously, we've been snake bitten a few times mm. there, uh,
0: Jacob Phillips,
1: <laughs> Man. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and obviously they have a history of churning out defensive backs to the NFL as well. So, I mean, there's obviously that allure as well. So,
0: makes me sad. Yeah, I mean, we're not at it's, all. It's saying... tough to
1: fight the perception in recruiting for defense. It, it really is. is.
0: And something that I, something that I saw, I can't remember who said it uh, publicly on Twitter, was that. Some people might be negatively recruiting against Oklahoma, against Roy Manning. Now, Roy Manning, if you spent the day around the guy, or if you spent any time near the guy, or just what of the, the reactions from the players is that he is a ball of energy, 100%. He is constant, nonstop, like, out there. He's intense, but he's also high energy. He's exciting to be around. And he, notably, in his past, has recruited, not recruited, well, recruited, and coached linebackers and what others coaches are saying like tom herman might say this or the guys at penn state might say this or whoever's at lsu ed orgeron's guys might say this i will they've got a linebacker coach coaching the cornerbacks right now so what's that tell you about their status on the defense and that's what the negative line recruiting is right now it's kind of annoying but like that's the dumbest thing because these defensive coaches they may have a specialty but they know how to coach several other positions of course yeah Especially like linebacker, like if he was defensive tackles to cornerback, I'd be like, what? He, but he's already coached the cornerbacks, defensive backs, a couple times in his career. Yep. Uh, just not most recently, but specifically at Michigan with Brady Hoke when their defense is actually pretty good.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's just Just
1: like, off on a tangent <clears throat> here. If Ruffin retires sometime soon, which seems like likely, yeah, does he move to outside linebackers and they promote Chip Viney to cornerbacks coach? You would think so. That's that seems to make sense.
0: And that Thibodeau have the but in, in the line meantime,
1: again. I don't see any issue with Roy Manning being the cornerback's no. coach for the time being.
0: Make him tougher. Yeah, of course. And like nobody bats an eye when Kale Gundy goes from running backs to wide receivers.
1: No, doesn't matter.
0: Nobody bats an eye. Because if... he's
1: a valuable asset to the staff yeah. regardless as a recruiter. <clears throat> so. And as someone who helped shape the culture. Well nobody bat- obviously. Uh, Manning has a yeah role in that as well. So
0: nobody batted an eye when Jay Bolwer went from special teams tight end to running back. They're like, okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but because it's you know it's recruiting, it's defense, which everybody's still not sure about. That's what you got. Some summer ball stuff, which some is not great news, some is interesting news, some is just good news. Kenneth Man supposedly, this is a rumor mill, not confirmed yet, but sounds like it. I mean, there's so much buzz going on that you just go to where you find smoke, you know. Yeah. Had apparently had shoulder surgery. And, not ideal. Yeah, and of course it's this late in the process. In the pro- in the process, instead of having in January, maybe it's something he did in spring. Has sh- shoulder surgery to the point where he could be missing till. The Red River shootout or Red River rivalry, whatever you want to call it, till Texas week. Of course it's bad news, right? Yeah. And he's a team captain. He's a you know, one of the mainstays on defense for the past seemingly three years. And, you know, it's it's not good for the whole defense as a leadership in general.
1: Yeah. But on the other side of the coin, Ronnie Perkins, they're gonna be able to put him wherever they feel most mm-hmm. comfortable putting him now. Yeah. There's no real issue of competition at this point and
0: i felt like ronnie perkins would eventually overtake kenneth mann. Kenneth yeah. mann in the process after the texas game so he's got a he's going to get a three to five game audition and say hey am i going to take this job via injury and you can be my backup basically because a kenneth uh a ronnie perkins in the middle of the season and if he's doing well does not get replaced by Kenneth Mann, fresh Who's off coming injury, off an injury, yeah, exactly. Especially his shoulder. So, I mean, it's Ronnie Perkins' time to shine because then, now you've got Jalen Redmond. You've got Neville Gallimore. You've got, you know, take your choice of Dylan Farmataou, Marquise Overton. Ronnie Perkins might have to go in there, like go inside while you put in LaRon Stokes yeah. or uh, Isaiah Thomas. All these guys are in the thick of things. Now, again, people want to say, oh, defensive line depth is the best it's been. And then now you're out, Kelly. Now you're out, Kenneth Mann. Now, Kelly
1: no, is... And Tyree Slott as well is gone. Oh, and Tyree Slott's yeah, gone I mean, too. Ron Tatum, I mean, yeah, they, they've had a bit of attrition this offseason, but...
0: And it's Overall, just there's...
1: Yeah, it's... The hits kind of keep coming, but at the same time... You have to be a little bit excited about the potential for this group this year. I mean, you've got Gallimore with a new system, who is trimmed down. Mm -hmm. Down to like, he's under 300 now, isn't
0: he? I think he's like 295. He's an
1: athletic, quick guy. He could be perfect for this system where you're not trying to eat up blocks anymore. You're trying to get around people. Mm -hmm. Kind of finessing people a little bit and attacking the quarterback. But uh, then if Redmond's healthy... That's a beast. Yeah. If Perkins ends up playing at that position we were talking about, beast. I mean, I. You don't really see too many weak spots along the starting defensive line, do you?
0: You see a lot of potential, right? Oh, of course. I mean, and
1: that's... if LeRon Stokes is in that picture too, he's a guy with an enormous upside. Oh yeah, so LeRon
0: Stokes. Lincoln Riley loves potential Leron NFL
1: Stokes. guy in the future. I mean, if if everything clicks there, I mean, which seems like a sharp kid i mean i think it might click so. yeah
0: stokes is gonna get playing time 100 100 riley loves him and he's already gonna he already he's already cemented his his position on really on the defensive line as far as he's gonna get playing time just to just a matter of how many snaps uh you follow benny wiley on instagram not
1: on instagram no
0: so i mean i think you post on entertaining it's it's just workouts 24 7 well
1: yeah i would imagine seems like a guy who enjoys that he's he's chiseled
0: do you ever watch the do you ever watch the like the team workout videos he
1: posts oh I occasionally see stuff on Twitter I mean
0: yeah it's they're just doing warm ups uh-huh I'm imagining they're just doing warm ups but at the same time I feel like their warm ups for like an hour is just my general workout like they put those guys through the ringer to the like they were do, they were doing squats and then they went and put some, like an elastic band behind their shoulders, and they were doing like big leaps and constant, like constantly leaping to stretch out the muscle. And I'm like, I think you might snap my hamstring in half if you did that to me. Like their workouts are intense, and I think that's just a warm up to what they actually do. That's just like it made me think of the separation between me as a normal person, and then. Elite program, football wise, and conditioning. Yeah, it's it's absurd. And then it makes me think of what Schmitty was doing in comparison to Benny Wiley.
1: Schmitty was basically just yelling at people and calling them big dog, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, and this is this is gonna sound old, and I'm not even I'm not even that age. It was like my when when Saturday Night Live was actually good, and when the reruns would come on when I was when I was with my parents with Dana Carvey and all those guys. And yeah, the dudes in the big, like the Russian. Like oh the, like, yeah, the, the Russian girly like, man. Yeah, they're like, yeah. we want to pump you up. Yeah, and they're like, just like lifting kettlebells and moving large things as their workouts. That's what Schmidty was doing. Yeah. So when, when Bosworth is talking about Oklahoma's using outdated methods, even with Benny Wiley there, no Schmidty was using like archaic yes. methods. Yes.
1: Have fun with that Texas A and M.
0: And like he and that's and that's why people are saying hey uh is this the reason why
1: that people are getting hurt during the season because you're over training and you're not that was the buzz for like a, a decade I mean over a decade I mean that's that was that's been the complaint for since I was in high school like, so he's and like that was like in the these guys up mid-2000s yeah
0: and over training and then Benny Wiley comes along and is like oh no, know about athleticism and elasticity and being more athletic so now you have Big, strong, bulk guy versus athletic guy who may not lift as much but can make the necessary cuts without tearing his ACL or blowing it out. There you go. So that's the idea. This is Benny Wiley's third year, right? Yes. That's the year when you're going to find out whether or not his program is working. That's typically what happens. Yep. So he's with Ooh, them. Oh, I
1: think, I think actually this is his second year. His you sure? Yeah, because I remember oh, Schmitty being in the shot at the Rose Bowl and yelling at people.
0: Link, that's right. And yeah. Link hired him his first year on staff.
1: Yep. Well, or, or second year on staff. second year on yeah. staff. Last I don't know year,
0: what it was. But regardless, like you're going to start to see the fruits of his yeah. labor, and he's the one that was with them all the time.
1: Exactly. Especially
0: during seven on sevens. Do you value seven on seven? Because I like. There's all kinds of seven on seven. Football I would say camps. to
1: take it with a massive grain of salt, like,
0: but I mean. AM loves seven on sevens. And they have some sort of deal with, you know, Adidas and Rose Simon, which is not very clean. But hey, whatever. The, there's a reason why all of the Houston 7 on 7 kids have Rose Simon, and for some reason, Rose Simon's always at AM games, and AM always yeah. gets the Houston 7 on 7 kids. But like you take you say you take it with a massive grain of salt. Why are you taking 7 on 7 with a massive grain of salt?
1: Well, I mean, it's a non-contact situation, obviously. Right. So, I mean, it's...
0: Well, I mean, like, it's contact. Like, you've seen some of the guys, like, pass interference the hell out of somebody. Yeah, yeah. But it's not, like, tackle it's, it's the ground. It's different.
1: I mean, it's... You Like, you have to have more information at your disposal than what you're seeing in a seven-on-seven situation. Like I'm not saying to dismiss it. Right. But, obviously, hmm. not the end-all, be-all.
0: I remember watching PJ and Banasaur on seven on seven
1: probably a really good seven on seven oh, player really
0: he smacked the shit out of those wide receivers yeah. like they were those those padded helmets like they were like in soccer sometimes the goalies yeah
1: yeah and he Peter just check
0: yeah he just yeah he's just smacking the shit out of these guys where their helmets are flying off and you're like that would be pat like a lot of these things would be pass interference but since it's seven on seven they just do whatever they want
1: yeah
0: so seven i agree seven on seven there's no pass rush to the quarterback he just looking around, seeing who's open. I mean, they have timing routes. Like, you need to throw the ball within five, seven seconds. But it's just...
1: Yeah, see, that's another thing. Yeah, no pass rush or anything like that. I it's, mean, it's...
0: It's stupid. It's advantage wide receiver 100%. So that's why they give defensive backs more room. Yeah. You know? But it'll show you how athletic you are. But at the same time, there's a lot of things in there that won't showcase your ability to be an actual football player. Like, catch the ball. You're going to tell me that you can juke out two players and run to the end zone when there are 11 people on the field and there's a pass rush and there's so many other things going wrong that you can do that? For some people against the Mike Stoop's defense, that may be correct. But 7 on 7, it's all right. It's fun. Yeah. It's fast-paced. Touchdowns are nice. Whatever. It's a good
1: way to get exposure if you're a recruit, too, obviously.
0: Right. Like remember a couple years ago, when you get all those Oklahoma, Oklahoma and Alabama commits on the same side of the ball. Yes, that was at just, the opening, yeah. Yeah, they just killed it. Yeah. And and that's that's that was a lot of fun for everybody involved. You know, it was like, oh, wow, Lincoln Wright was really doing work. And Jace
1: McClellan was an underclassman <clears throat> on that team, too, yep. with, like, Rattler and Weiss and mm-hmm. uh, Bridges. And I guess Hazelwood wasn't on that. I think R.J. Henderson was on yep. that team and Stogner. But, like, yeah, McClellan was the running back on that team, too, and was uh, doing some work,
0: and from so, what I recall. Yeah, that, and seven on seven, it's just fun to watch. Oh, of course, yeah. But it's not anything that's really to take away, like, wow, this kid's really good, Like, other than he's really fast.
1: Yeah. If you're wanting to see a quarterback who can make all the throws and stuff like that, that's a decent. Right. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, What's it called? Uh, Opportunity. Opportunity, yeah, yeah, yeah for that, for lack of a better yeah, term. Oh, yeah, like, definitely. Uh, yeah, you saw Spencer Rattler last year in that at the opening and it was like you couldn't watch that and not think to yourself wow that guy is going to be a star at the next level the the throws that he's making in those windows it's insane <laughs> like i mean and he was doing the same thing at uh, whichever all-american game he was playing in uh he had that uh he was rolling towards the sideline, and he threw back across the field to. Bridges. Oh yeah,
0: and it was just like it was on just
1: the money. it was incredible. Something that you would coach against doing, obviously, but yeah, when you have a guy like that with that skill set, you kind of just kind of let him go a let little bit, kind of like you did, kind of like you did with Baker Mayfield. I mean, you and were gonna, Kyler, He's trying you weren't gonna to scold either of them too much for making a sort of questionable decisions or forcing certain things because they're in their zone yeah. <laughs> like you, you've got to kind of let them be themselves i mean
0: if it's 2010 and it's taylor martinez nebraska against <laughs> travis lewis and those guys and he throws across his body that's just easy money
1: it was yeah and he was hurt in that game too that didn't help but like so like uh, when
0: trevor knight did it against alabama in the sugar bowl he threw across his body to the end zone i was like oh god this is like easy interception for alabama and remember when
1: brad nessler
0: compared
1: that to uh joe montana Montana, dwight clark (laughs) like
0: Like, not like the throw yeah but not any of the catch at all
1: no but uh (laughs) boy those were days we thought that trevor knight was a golden god after that game
0: yeah until he couldn't
1: that was a really fun game to attend. Oh man. man. Oh, you got to go. Oh man. Yeah, that I have never seen an OU crowd more juiced than you would than at that game. It it like just because you have the entire day on Bourbon Street. You can oh, walk yeah. to Bourbon, you can walk from yeah. Bourbon Street to the Superdome. It takes yep. like 25 30 yep. minutes it's probably. It's right by the Smoothie King Center and all it, stuff. Yep, it's right by that. And like, yeah, god, it was it was quite a thing. Like it was I think it was The most amped up, I think it was, was probably right at halftime when Bama's kicker missed that kick. Yep. And every OU fan was just like, I think we're going to do this. (laughs) Like, this is, I mean.
0: And after the game, it's just like, this mutual respect for two blue blood programs between OU and Alabama. Of course, the
1: Bama fans were super classy after yeah. the game, obviously. Like they were like, Wow, that Trevor Knight guy, he's a future star. Turns out both of us were wrong. Yeah. But whatever.
0: I mean if Lincoln Riley would I still hold that if Lincoln and Riley would have gotten his hands on Trevor Knight, he would have been a decent guy. I think you're
1: correct. Yeah.
0: He would have stopped having him throw it in the dirt with the nose down.
1: Trevor Knight only attempted, like, two types of passes, too. Like, he had that fade down the sideline that he always threw. The
0: one to the good guys and the one to yes, the bad guys?
1: exactly. Yeah, it was... <laughs> but he was at his best when Heupel would let him do his thing. run the tempo. Oh, yeah. When he when Trevor Knight was in tempo, I think it, it was something to do with his confidence, I think. But once the offense slowed down, he became tentative. Do yeah. you remember
0: that? Oh, and Heupel... Would get pissed when Trevor Knight would dictate his own pace. Basically, Heupel with Trevor Knight in year two after the Sugar Bowl. Heupel
1: strikes me as a micromanager. He he was,
0: and it was either you do what I'm saying, you do this to a T, or you are going to be benched. So, like when you're watching the games, and you're like, "There's clearly an option," like during a read option, clearly you should be running that ball to the outside. Every, the but the option
1: in reality wasn't really there. There was no option. Yeah. The defensive end's crashing down. You can't down. do that without You're going to get a yard. Like, I mean...
0: But it was like this illusion that nobody was buying.
1: It was this weird... Yeah, like, Bob Stoops was just dead set on running <laughs> this zone-read offense because, you know, he saw what happened with Texas A&M yeah. and Johnny Football and all that, and he was like, okay, but... I don't want my quarterback getting hurt, so let's not actually have it be an option. In the let's end of getting kinda, hurt, anyways, we'll have like the occasional designed runs, but we don't won't actually give him the. Op- I mean, it was ah, it was a farce. <laughs> it was horrible.
0: He ended up, yeah, he ended and up. Th- see, like
1: Josh Heupel, he's obviously culpable for a lot of the offensive disaster from that year, but Bob Stoops should shoulder a lot of that blame as well because Heupel wasn't really able to. Do really yeah, what he wanted. That's there. fair. Stoops forced his hand there. Yep. So,
0: and just I yeah, I just think weird deal. Trevor Knight could have been a lot better, but it is it is what it is. But uh, you, no,
1: he was obviously a talented kid. Like what you saw in that sugar bowl, it wasn't really a mirage. I mean, he was making all of those great yeah. throws,
0: and it was. I mean,
1: they, I mean, it's it's not like it was like magic. I mean, he was Trevor Knight. His skill was on display. Got
0: to go out and. Play his ball. Yeah, exactly. Bob Stoops, Bob Stoops let him go out and just say, "Bro."
1: And Nick Saban wasn't prepared the for go make plays, and everybody thought because we had never seen that up to that point. Well,
0: and a lot of people thought they were going to play B- Blake Bell. Yeah, and everybody thought that it was going to be Blake Bell and o- OU just going to lay down, and then Trevor Knight's coming out running around making some question. His first throws were like he was nervous. Yeah, but then just like throwing dimes. And just being athletic is all get out. And, of course, you never saw that again. But you mentioned seven on sevens. You mentioned Spencer Rattler looking really good at Army All-American games. Jack's not peeing. He's just pointing some vodka. cuts, okay. I and might, be peeing. might be peeing. I'll leave it up to your imagination. Yeah, it's true. We're out of camp right now. Spencer Rattler, he did show up, bulked up. Now, bulked up. With the, bulked whether up. you mean that's him gaining a little bit of bad weight along with some muscle, he's bulked up regardless. And
1: that's fine. Baker Mayfield, I mean, he was he had a dad bod, still kind of yeah. has a dad bod,
0: ish. And then, but Spencer Rattler has come into camp, not surprisingly, impressed the coaches a lot made some of those jaw-dropping throws you've mentioned, throwing balls on tight windows, throwing just a really good ball in general. He is unquestionably, via his teammates, something to look forward to in the future. Of course. Whereas Jalen Hurts is the unquestioned leader on this team. That's
1: a really, really nice position for a program to be in, isn't it? To have a dependable guy as your starter for this year and a... Perfect predecessor in Spencer Radler. And then you've got Tanner Mordecai yeah, in the middle God, there. <laughs> I mean, <I'm> sorry, Tanner. <laughs> I mean, it's, bro. Yeah, it is what it is. He, uh, Like I said, he's going to be a great quarterback at another school. Yep. Yeah. Because I think he has the skill set to be a great player.
0: Oh, yeah. He's going to be he's good. he's got
1: bravado, too. I mean, he's, he's going to be good. good. He's going to be very good somewhere. Where? I don't know.
0: Yeah. so I he, hope
1: it's not in the Big 12.
0: Deal out of camp the news out of camp is rattler is whew, what you thought he would be
1: yeah and if he, he keeps his act together you know keeps his nose clean
0: it's gonna be great yeah uh, we just got eyes from lincoln riley
1: oh boy
0: so well, i think we we mentioned the podcast 100 percent. what that means everybody in here should know what that means i'm just just saying
1: yep they'll probably know by tomorrow yeah yeah or we might have to stop podcasting to do a post no we can just we can do it later oh maybe we'll see i don't know
0: we'll see robert barnes is full go he's running with that with a hamstring it's fine and you know it's the first time he's been that healthy in a while see that's the
1: thing like i mean you you've noticed that he's sort of held back a little bit as far as his physicality and his injuries have played a factor there now we will find out if that was truly the only factor. Right. So obviously he's a big kid. Someone who has all of the physical tools to be a very, very good safety, especially in Alex Grinch's defense where he values size from his defensive backs. It's it's put up or shut up for him, obviously, though.
0: Right. This year, because he's had the the of course, like you come in. From South Lake Carroll, which is oh my gosh, a good, a, a great, great program, an amazing program. But he breaks his leg, yeah. so you're saying, okay, you know, a broken leg will slow you
1: down, duh.
0: I always thought he was people a little, will give
1: you leeway for that,
0: and I'll say, and I, I'll say, I always thought he was a little too stiff to play safety athletically. He reminds me of Alex Ross, the safety edition. But people are like, well, he had a broken leg, like okay, we'll see, we'll give him time, we'll give him time, and then, of course, he. Ha- he gets c- completely trucked and really hurts himself in the...
1: Alabama game, The Alabama yeah.
0: game, in the Orange Bowl. Trucked very badly. Like now it's a, and now it's like a little statue. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, you know, we'll see. So this is his year really to say, statement year, are you a real deal at safety or are you going to be depth? Because they've got a lot of guys that want to come in that they're really hungry. Because the word out of camp... Not, unless i talk about offense, the word out of camp, specifically for the defensive backs and the back six or back whatever you want to call it, is competitive. There's really nothing about anybody They say, oh man, these, these freshmen want to compete. You're not really hearing, so-and-so is separating themselves, so-and-so is really good, other than Trey Norwood is really freaking fast. And he'll probably get CB1 or 2. He'll, he'll be on the field starting. The only thing you're hearing, oh, they're really competitive. That doesn't tell, what, does that, what does that say to you, that the message out of camp right now, to me, is not a lot of separation, they're being really competitive?
1: See, some of the guys who we've mentioned in the past as being sort of the front runners at the safety position, Patrick Fields, DTY, those are guys who strike you as guys who have sort of a chip on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. So, it's not too surprising that that's the nature of the beast right now, that... They're guys who aren't holding anything back. I'm sorry. I'm very distracted by this national anthem. Like, I just saw Drake and Eugene Levy in Canada. That's the most Canadian two shots ever. They're letting
0: this... <laughs> they're they're playing the national anthem.
1: Yeah, the O oh, Canada, yeah. And they're letting the crowd sing it. Oh, God. Oh, see, okay. That's awesome. This is zero disrespect for our country, but Canada's national anthem is so much better than our national anthem. It's oh, not even fun. Oh, funny. God. Oh, no. It's wild. Oh, no. no, it's true. O oh, Canada rocks.
0: It's just a... Play on God Save the Queen.
1: I mean, kind of.
0: Which is basically like America 1.0 and the United States is actually...
1: Oh, Canada's way better. Well, it's not... No, we're gonna... <laughs> I'm a one-quarter Canadian, so I'm allowed oh, to say hey, my yeah. grandma's from Winnipeg, so... Oh, very nice. There you go. So if I go you, there every if summer. Lis-
0: if you're listening to this podcast and you're offended, I'm very sorry, especially if you fought for of the country.
1: Oh, Canada, baby. I love Oh, Canada. Jesus Christ.
0: But... um competitive out of the camp because woody washington jeremiah Cradell, all these guys that are coming in like oh yeah they're gonna be really competitive along with Jaden davis you're not even talking about guys like jordan parker right now and so to me it's like okay who's whose spot is in limbo not trey brown right yeah uh, <laughs> no he's it. fine yeah and, <laughs> and so, even piemont he's got
1: to compete for
0: a spot oh, and the word i've heard is piemont is not cb2 right now it'd be Trey norwood yeah so it's like okay that's you know that's what they did last year at the yeah. end and it's just like the only guy that's got it really there's a reserved spot is trey brown
1: who could not get on the motherfucking field in the first half of the season last it year was wild yeah he was the best cornerback on the team too i mean it was everyone knew it i mean he was so fast such a big playmaker I unbelievable mean, he's short but whatever
0: like the guy has massive speed. He's a ball hawk. He's always
1: looking for the ball. Which they were training them not to look for the ball. They were training a face guard. Florida wanting him that bad as a defensive back. Yeah, should tell you something about that man's skill. Because Florida churns out defensive backs. Uh, for as many problems as that program's had recently, defensive back has not one of been, have, has not been blah, fuck has not been one of those issues obviously. So.
0: And Mike Stoops would not put him on the field. Nope. And now he's your only guaranteed guy with everybody coming back.
1: Fucking Mike Stoops. What man. the hell? <laughs> like,
0: really? Like, what the hell? So, gosh, I'm going to say so many words. Say them all. I'm just going to move on. Jalen Redmond. And I caught wind of this a while back with Steven, who couldn't join us tonight. He just had some personal stuff. But Steven's the man. He's pretty great. Uh, he heard this early on, like like six weeks ago that Redmond and his, was pretty good that he was going to be playing without restrictions this summer. Enter, you know, the Redmond News. Lincoln Riley, oh, yeah, he's, he's a go. He's a full go. He's a full participant in summer activities. We're going to monitor him, but we feel good going forward about him. So, I mean, now you can, like, as soon as I saw that news, I'm getting out my pen and paper and immediately drawing like a 425 defense and saying, well he fits here and he goes here. Now he goes here and that's gonna be a very dominant four of you know front four. And it's gonna be physical because he can handle he can set the edge. He's got some quick in him, and he can he's athletic, long arms. The guy's a basketball player.
1: He was a ve- uh, yeah more a of a basketball one. player oh, than he a football was a good player one. early on a and damn just, good Midwest City bomber.
0: Like when you saw him on the field last year
1: in flashes, you're thinking he, he is the, that TCU game the first game oh, we saw him, I was like, he wow, the best he's already on the yeah, field. He's he's great. He's a <laughs> he's a difference maker right off the bat. He's creating pressure immediately, and OU's issue was creating pressure last year. So I mean. Who knows how good OU could have been down the stretch defensively if he had been able to keep going? I mean,
0: yeah, true. So it's just like, man, I'm excited, but you know, it's excited with some pause, right? Because yeah, of course, blood clots, yeah, It's that's one of those issues. things that
1: can pop back up tomorrow. I mean,
0: and you know, we always, I always think about Chris Bosh. Oh yeah, you know, it ended his career. Yep, and he didn't play well. Basketball's a contact sport. Not really. He plays a legitimate contact sport where he's getting punched in the freaking chest and thrown around. Well, he wouldn't. He probably wouldn't be throwing around, but he'd be doing the throwing around. Yeah. Where it's a it takes a very physical toll on your body. So, I mean, him being full go is one hundred percent great news for the Oklahoma defense, regardless of anything else happening. Now, is there anything else that you'd really like to see come out of summer ball?
1: See. As far as things coming out of summer ball, you have to take pretty much everything you hear out of summer ball with a grain of salt, obviously. True. It's how it is every year. But I'd like to keep hearing some of the things I'm hearing about the defense being competitive and stuff like that. That's obviously nice. Um, you know, obviously you like to hear some good things about the offensive line because how well that unit gels. Mm-hmm or how quickly it gels, is going to play a big factor in how dominant this offense is, obviously. Now, the reasonable expectation is for that offensive line to take a few games at least to really get to their correct form. Kind of like you saw last year. It took a little bit of time. Right. That unit wasn't where it needed to be until midseason, and that group ended up winning the Joe Moore Award. Mm-hmm. So, now that you're going to have a bunch of new starters, it's very reasonable to expect some growing pains.
0: Oh, definitely. And now... You know, you're playing Houston, which is like, holy crap, flashback to Ed Oliver, where Alex, Stal- I mean, Al- Alex pl-
1: Dalton... I it, Remember Alex
0: Dalton? Yeah. He was your starting guard, ugh, and Jonathan yeah. Alvarez was starting guard. We're getting starting... Oh, he was starting center.
1: Yeah, he was in that game. During that game. Eric so you, Wren later on, You're yeah. getting...
0: You're getting uh alex dalton you're getting jonathan alvarez just starting lineup against ed oliver who's lining up right over you no thank you oh my god like he would be a, he would be an issue for creed and samia
1: yeah oh god yeah he'd be an issue for literally anyone so
0: like as soon as you say oh it's a Patrick offensive line oh they're playing houston Immediately, everybody's realized, like, oh, They God, don't have an Ed please, Oliver God, on this unit, luckily. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's Tom Herman's no reason to stuff.
1: believe that the defense is going to be an issue for Houston, but, like, or not an issue for OU's offense, I mean. But then again, Houston's offense could give this mm-hmm. new OU defense a little bit of trouble, some growing pains on that side as well. So OU might need to score a lot of points on offense. Yeah. So, I mean, even if... Houston's defense struggles a bit with OU's offense. OU might need to score quite a bit. I think that's so. a game where
0: you immediately turn Jalen Hurts loose at the at the tunnel because yeah. some might say, "Oh, well, Oklahoma's offense this year is going to be a little bit more ground and pound and control the clock with Jalen Hurts." And I agree. Now that offensive line is not put together yet, so he's going to have to make things happen course, for the yeah. first four or five
1: games. Fortunately, as you saw in the spring game. I was thoroughly impressed with how much command he had of the offense. Oh, so def- already? Quickly, so quickly. I mean, as far as, like, the human being you want operating the offense and leading the team, you found the perfect guy.
0: Oh, definitely. You really
1: did. I mean, it, it's, like, that falling into your lap is just so fortuitous. I mean, it, it's wild. The fact I
0: mean, that he is the... Unquestioned, he's been there three months, four months. Yeah, he's the unquestioned leader of that football team already. He's going to be a captain.
1: Can't wait to talk to him at media days. I assume we're going to get to talk to him. I'm sure he'll be one of the four or five. Definitely. Yeah.
0: The fact that he's unquestioned leader on campus already tells me all I need to know about him.
1: Of course, yeah, and he he already has a donut shop named after him. Pretty wild. Yeah,
0: it's pretty. Pretty Actually, named it before he got there. Yeah. So. We already knew.
1: Of course, yeah.
0: What is what is your go to donut at the Hertz Donut Shop?
1: God, um, I'm a big jelly donut guy. Are you? Yeah, I like raspberry jelly. Hmm. I'm a big fan of that, and I love donut holes too. So, um, let me think. I like to... Long Johns too. Long Johns. Yeah, I like Long Johns. Um, but yeah, I like a raspberry jelly donut with like powdered powdered sugar. Sounds That's good. My, I, I like that. Lemon's good too. I like lemon. Okay. Lemon filling.
0: You know, I'm pretty boring. I just like regular donuts.
1: I, I mean, or I, like uh, what? What
0: is your go-to donut? Donut in general. I, I like blueberry cake.
1: Oh, like just a regular donut? You mean? Yeah, just a regular. Donut. Oh, I mean, I kind of like the strawberry frosting sometimes, nice. like for the regular nice. donuts. Yeah, and oh, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think, uh, I like cake donuts. A lot of people don't like cake donuts. I do. I do. I like cake donuts. So well, that's one of the things, too. Yeah.
0: Well. Before we go on talk about some Sooner football, some ESPN stuff, and some Poo, Poo Williams, here's a message for our sponsors. All right. Talking about Oklahoma football in general. How far are they away from winning a national title?
1: I mean, another year or two, just because of the defensive recruiting. I mean, like we, I think we talked about this on our last podcast, like, they're essentially starting from scratch because you have a new defensive coordinator, and he has his own people he wants to bring in. So it's going to take a few years for him to bring that personnel in that truly mm-hmm. lets him do his thing. So it's going to be another year or two at least. So Because, I mean, obviously you've seen how transcendent Oklahoma's offenses have been the last two years, and that still wasn't enough to win a game in the playoffs. So right. You, you're still not there, obviously. You have to... Find your defensive identity. You have to get the guys who you need for your system. So it's going to be another few years.
0: And there are guys on campus that totally fit Alex there Grinch's style some, of play yeah, right now, yeah. but they're also phase outs. So I think about another two years, you're going to see freshmen and redshirt freshmen contr- contribute. Yeah. Because,
1: like, Ryan hell, Watts, hopefully, if he th- sticks with his commitment.
0: Grinch said it himself. He's like, hey, come to Oklahoma. You have a chance to play. Because. They're starting clean slate. What I see is what I see. And that's why Brian Odom is getting. He Brian Odom loves himself some Deshaun White, yeah. who I'm still learning. Good. I'm still learning to spell his first name. D A S H A U N. Yeah. And he loves Brian Mead. He doesn't talk about Kenneth Murray that much. But.
1: Hopefully, future will it, linebacker Kenneth Murray. Yeah. We haven't beaten that horse to death or anything on this podcast.
0: But, but it's. You know, he's still got guys there that he would definitely... And he's got upgraded guys that he would have at Washington State. Now, he got to Oklahoma from Ohio State and looked at the defensive backroom and was like, holy hell, like, what? what is going on? <laughs> the mess that Mike Stoops and Kerry Cooks had made. And, I mean, I don't know. I would say Oklahoma's window, 2020
1: to 2022. Yeah. Or may, maybe
0: 2021 to 2023, Depending upon Spencer Rattler, his timeline. Spencer Rattler's timeline lines up with Oklahoma's national championship timeline.
1: Yeah, I I would imagine that you have uh, you have one redshirt year for Spencer Rattler and then two years as a starter, then him leaving after his redshirt for sophomore season, yep. I would imagine. And you also have Clemson that, with Trevor Lawrence
0: impressive. and DJ Uh whatever the guy from Bosco. Yeah. And so I mean those are two teams to definitely watch. I think Alabama is I'm not gonna say they're on the, the decline, but
1: they're having challengers people now are figuring out
0: the Alabama complex. Yeah. And it's basically to have a good offense, a spread a good spread offense and some bad asses on defense. And Oklahoma's lacking the bad asses, but they're getting there. Yeah. And the question that I thought was more pertinent is is Lincoln Riley the coach. That wins the title at Oklahoma next? Fuck yeah. You think so? Oh, yeah. I think so. Because... I, mean,
1: I, I don't I don't picture him leaving in the next few years. I, I, I wouldn't doubt that eventually, you know, maybe several years down the line he goes to the NFL. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I... He's got a hell of a good job right now. He's making a lot of money. He's making more money than most NFL head coaches make. Yeah. That's the thing. That's what a lot of people don't consider. And he's... He's suited for this profession as well, the college coach. You know, he. you're sort of... He was just in Seattle. You're, you're, you're a CEO as well. Mm-hmm. You're not just a football guy. He's more than just a football guy. He's a very good big picture guy. So he's suited to the college game. He, so well,
0: He's suited to the NFL game too because well, all course. these NFL guys of are course. saying...
1: That's why I think eventually he will make yeah. that leap, but... I don't think he's going to leave before he wins a national championship.
0: All these NFL guys are hosting him at his camps and calling yeah. him and asking for advice and the guy, you know, not kitchens but the offensive coordinator for Cleveland's like, "Hey, what are some good better tips for Baker Mayfield?" You know, even though he, yeah, they, Hugh Jackson didn't they do that. They came
1: to visit him in the offseason. A lot of teams <clears> did uh before uh, the combine and all that stuff, but and you know, the word was that he wasn't really showing his hand very much yeah. as far as that stuff's concerned That's fair. but I'm, I'm sure he he gives them little tidbits i mean i'm sure he doesn't show them everything but yeah he's obviously a valuable person to have in the room for certain things so i would
0: agree with that and i don't know Some sometimes i could see him winning two national two or three national titles Sometimes I could see him as an early exit guy, and the next thing you know, Seth Luttrell's on campus.
1: I See, if, if you are going to be in that situation, OU's very lucky that Seth Luttrell is an OU grad. <laughs> like, it's, that's really nice.
0: Well, for a while, I wanted Seth Luttrell or Justin Fuente, who
1: brought... Don't want Fuente anymore. Because <laughs> well, what he did at Tech? Well, no, like, yeah, I mean, uh, Virginia Tech. I mean, he, his, that program is on the serious decline right now. They have had so much attrition lately, yeah, and I mean, he, he's culpable for a lot of that, obviously. So, don't think I want that. But uh, Seth Latrell, Latrell would be great. He's and a he's young, energetic guy who UNT. is an offensive genius. So, I mean, go for it. If 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 that situation arises, pull back is what I'm on saying, the two thousand
0: national title yeah, team. Yeah, absolutely. He knows Brian Odom already. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, played together. Yep. Same running back room. Uh yeah, Latrell, he was he had a lot of great moments in that two thousand season and ninety nine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like uh yeah, ninety nine he was the guy who uh was the up man on that fake punt against AM, had yep. that big gain. Yeah, the back when Mike Leach was running trick plays like every third play. <laughs> like it was wild. I've,
0: hey, I've been in contact.
1: There Might we have,
0: go. I have Leach back on the pod.
1: Hell yeah.
0: I freaking love the pirate.
1: Oh god. Just just you can ask him one question, just say hey. Geronimo. That's an hour of podcast. Oh, it right was.
0: I, I, I mentioned like four things. Then he talked about, you know, savagery of Geronimo, how he's writing another book about he's writing another book about the war styles of Native Americans and how, how much why he respects Geronimo and I asked him if he believed in ghosts and conspiracy theories. It was it was a fun podcast. so I just retweeted this for, you know, the fuck's sake of it because people want to hear Mike Leach. You yeah. Know? And so been in contact with the pirate, and it looks like we're uh, you know, just figuring out dates. Hell yeah, baby. So moving on, ESPN labeled Oklahoma's best tradition
1: as the Sooner Schooner nope. racing out de- nope. each score. Nope. What do If you think? you've ever been in Oklahoma Stadium when that happens, how amp does the crowd get during the Sooner Schooner you rolling don't even out? Notice. It's 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 kind of a whatever thing. You're like, still high fiving people around you. That's like the last thing I noticed. This is something that sort of came up. Uh, You know, Florida State, I was there in 2011 for that game. We traveled with a group. And someone asked a group of guys who were with us, hey, you know, we have like Osceola planting the spear into the ground and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. We have the Tomahawk Chalk. What kind of like distinct tradition is uniquely OU's? And we kind of said, you know, winning and expecting to win. That's pretty much it. Because like, yeah. as far as, like, really cool on-field traditions and stuff like that, just a little lacking. It really is. Yeah, they don't really have anything. It, 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 and that's fine. I mean, I, w- I wish we had a little bit more of stuff like that's that. That's why they but, tried uh, to
0: start that Walk of Champions thing before the game. Yeah, and, and it, Alabama it, it wasn't.
1: Well, and that every SEC school yeah, does. Yeah, but, like, like it's Ole Miss uh, all that stuff. Yeah, and... Uh, it doesn't really look very good on a camera, but like, uh, because, I mean, people are over tailgating because, I mean, that little walk of champions, it doesn't really go through the tailgating yeah, anymore because no. Boren killed it. Yeah. So it, it's kind of, uh, is what it is, but. Cause,
0: because they said, oh, the Sooners' schooner racing out to the field. I was
1: like, see, that's you the, know, one of those things that I think people outside of the program maybe, think yeah. is a big deal, but like, it really okay. isn't that big of a deal. I, I, okay, a lot of people don't like this, obviously. Mm-hmm. I like the home of the Sooners thing. Yeah. During the, the anthem, I think I think that's kind of cool. I mean, but, uh, would you obviously that not everyone likes that,
0: but S- sometimes it's to what me it is. a bigger tradition is putting your ones up on each kickoff.
1: Yeah, I mean the, every school ha- kind of has that kind of thing, like that. though. So it, it's not. It's just like the thing. The the thing
0: I remember most about the Sooner Schooner is something that happened when I wasn't even alive. Was when it wrecked on the yeah, field. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, it's just like oh, they ran on the field and the ponies. That's cool. It's great, and you see, you see, you know, when you're in the stadium before the game starts, you can actually see the ponies and you can see the Roughnecks around it. Like you can actually go pet them. Uh, but that's it. Like I don't think I don't think it's a big deal. So here they mentioned others that I thought were pretty cool. The Texas a Aggies, even though I hate them. See,
1: yeah, exactly. Like I they have the midnight yell. Yeah, midnight yell and a lot else. Like see. I, I hate A and M. I hate the cult. I hate mm-hmm. like the uh, a lot of the culture oh. that surrounds that and university. Now I, I hate
0: them even more because they have Jimbo Fisher. H- ne- exactly. I that yeah.
1: I mean, I former sort of colleague, I guess you would call him. Like I used yeah. to transcribe his press conferences, That's right. That's but like right. he tra- talks like a fucking NASCAR driver after it's a race. He is it's impossible. It is impossible. Like we had three people splitting up to uh, transcribe his pressers at Florida State. And it would, you know, he's got like a 30-minute presser, kind of like, you know, Bob Stoops did. But it would take, and we'd split it up into 10 minutes each, and it would take each of us an hour to Jeez. transcribe those 10 minutes because Terrible. he doesn't finish his thoughts. So you're sort of playing this balancing act <laughs> where you're not trying to misquote him, but you're also not trying to make him sound stupid yeah, because you're, right. the, you're in public relations. So exactly. you're not, uh, it, it's it was so that was a very difficult thing to do every monday
0: and for anybody that has not ever transcribed an interview i mean the only thing i've ever transcribed for an interview is when i did my master's thesis right yeah that's the only time i've ever had to do like transcriptions like legitimate transcriptions you know what i mean instead of just like you know you know off the cuff saying oh this is what they basically said instead of actually having to do verbatim what they say it's tough and it Takes a lot of work to go into it and it takes a lot of practice and it's you have to have it like I have a transcriptions app that helps as yeah. far as like backspace, backspace, backspace trying to figure out what they're actually saying, but it's annoying. So I don't think a,
1: that would work with Jimbo Fisher. When we have a coach it, like it would, that,
0: it's just like, oh my god.
1: You would notice little like trends and uh little habits of his, little ticks almost. Like he would uh he would start something, he'd go, you know, there's an old adage. And he would say something that was definitely not an old adage. He would say, it would be like something about the pro-style offense that he thought, like, on the way to the stadium that day. Like, it was, it was hilarious, but whatever.
0: Well, so they have the Midnight yell, which is really cool. Yeah, of course,
1: yeah. I, yeah, I've been to a and M I I think, three times. I went a senior year in high school. Mm Mm-hmm. Sat with my cousin in the student section at A and M. Sat cool. like up on the third deck where it like goes back like eighteen inches yeah. or
0: whatever. Have you seen that stadium just empty and looked at the seats? Yeah,
1: it's such a patchwork of bullshit. Oh yeah, it <laughs> big looks time. so bad, big time. But like, uh, yeah, I that night, you know, the core they do their march like yeah. through the street by the yeah. stadium. I'm a seventeen year old kid who looked like thirteen and i'm holding a beer in my hand just out in the open and i start marching next to the corps of cadets oh god and i guess i didn't get in trouble but anyway needless to say i my cousin like halfway through that game was like hey we need to leave <laughs> like that, that was the paul thompson quarterback sneak game oh that's right with the fourth down yep that was a clutch moment. That was a god, that was a weird game. But like uh Yeah, but like and then I went I think in oh eight, the year when Sam Bradford then boat raced him. And mm-hmm. then I went in twenty ten when James Hanna dropped that touchdown. Yep. Yep. But I really do respect the uh the pageantry. Oh yeah, around that definitely, whole thing. It, definitely. It's really cool, and Northgate's pretty fun too. Northgate is a great time, right?
0: Well, the next school that ESP mentioned was the Auburn Tigers. War Eagle, and baby. War Eagle. You have the War you, Eagle, y'all. You have the eagle that like literally flies on the guy's hand yep, as soon pretty as cool. at right before kickoff. And then you after after the game, after a win, especially after a big win, anyways, rolling the trees at Tumor's Corner. Pretty cool, yeah. Until somebody named Harvey Updike poisons the trees, and then. There was too much Bama in him. Yeah, that's a good thirty for thirty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and like, or when you're March Madness and you prematurely roll tumorous corners, <laughs> and then you look like a jackass. That was great. I felt really bad for him about the same I time. Did I was too. like,
1: because uh, I really didn't want Ver- Ugh, sorry didn't want Virginia to win.
0: Oh, of course not.
1: Either because they're boring. I was,
0: I was angry. But anyways, I thought West Virginia's was neato. Burning couches, whether you oh, win yeah. or lose.
1: and Oh, well, burning couches and, God, singing Country Roads Jump after Denver, the game. Yeah. So cool. So cool. I, I've still never been to a game there. I really want to do that. I I'll heard they're very
0: that. hospitable before the game, but afterwards, not necessarily the case. Yeah,
1: I've heard mixed reviews as far as that's concerned. I, I have pretty thick skin, though, so we'll see. I'll check it out.
0: And this one made me pretty upset. They mentioned Notre Dame before they enter the field their gold and navy blue whatever blue color that is play like a champion sign that the players hit before they walk onto the field i think
1: everyone just assumes that that sign's been there forever it's been there since 1986 and they stole it from ou and they took it from oklahoma bullshit
0: it pisses me off so I'm like how are you going to say that that's tradition when they took it from oklahoma after they won those three national titles 74 75 and 85
1: Granted, their sign kind of looks cooler. It, it, it looks I mean, older it's, because it's very in there. It, it, it like Notre Dame. It just kind of looks aesthetically pleasing because they're going back down through those stairs or whatever. Right. And it's kind of like a big sign and it's a very old looking sign. Yeah, even though it's not that old. But it was in the movie Rudy.
0: Even though it wasn't around, and for it, the wasn't, around. Even it around. wasn't even around. It wasn't
1: even around.
0: pisses me off, that's, and that's why people probably think that sign is there so is old. So
1: ma- I love Rudy, but there are so many inaccuracies oh, yeah. with that
0: movie. Just ask Joe Montana; he's gonna ruin it for you. Yeah, but that's a, that's probably why people think it's such an old sign is because they, are, well, they want to pound the polka champion today in the movie Rudy. Yeah, so it is what it is. So Oklahoma, let's talk about basketball. Some squeaky shoes. Pooh Pooh Williams. Oklahoma has captured an assistant from the University of Miami, Pooh Williams, who is actually a Tulsa native. I'm I from Beggs. Beggs. Yeah. Beggs but near Tulsa. Near Tulsa. He replaces Chris, Chris Crutchfield. Really big shoes to fill. Not necessarily as far as coaching, but more so recruiting, definitely. Well, Pooh
1: has recruiting credibility, too. Definitely. So I mean, yeah, that's, and that's...
0: he's going to be important in the Tulsa area. Of course, yeah. 100%. And rumor says Oklahoma's going to use the two combo guards, Harmon and Biyemi. Kind of inter- Giddy up, baby. Inter- Hell interchangeably.
1: yeah, dude. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's we were talking about Joe a few talking to Joe Duval a few yeah. weeks ago about this. Like positionless basketball is becoming very much mm-hmm. a thing, and Lon Kruger's the type of guy to really embrace that kind of thing too, so. And
0: Harmon and Biyemi are the two types of guys that can handle and do that because Of course. You look at the Isaiah Cousins Buddy Heel duo, and Isaiah and Buddy did not have the same handle on the ball. No, Isaiah was more loose with it. His shots looked a- really flat, <laughs> it's streaky, and um, whereas you know Buddy, he looked like he dribbled with effort, with a little le- oh, not not effortlessly, but even though he had some room to grow for that in NBA, but his shots were just, of course, just from the hands of God. And now you have Biennemi and Harmon, which their handle on the ball is great. They look like it's not like something that was coached into them; it's something that's just very natural for them. Two different, tol- two, two totally different body styles, um, but two dynamic athletes. And of course, Biennemi has the athletic pedigree with Jamal Bienn, uh, not, not Eric Biennemi, who's now a coach for the
1: Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs yeah, he's to, yeah. offensive coordinator, probably a future head coach.
0: And he should have been a national title winner at Colorado. He was.
1: Nineteen ninety by the by the AP right or which one was it? I think it was the AP, yeah. And AP at the UPI went to Georgia Tech by like one vote. Yeah, and he
0: so he's got the uh, he's got the family pedigree there, and it's it's really you know it's something that's really exciting for this team. And so you have Pooh Williams, but the next thing you know, an assistant coach that we just talked we talked about you know keeping it within the family, and you know making all these jokes about Mike Stoops because kevin because kevin Kruger. yeah well now he's gone he's off to unlv i wonder how he got that job <laughs> it's like lon was at unlv before he came to oklahoma or something like that i wonder if he left him his old water bottle at unlv too Who is to know <clears throat> but kevin Kruger out to unlv which is good uh it eliminates that idea to where you can say like look He's keeping his son on staff, yeah. just like Mike kept his brother. <laughs> um,
1: so <laughs> or Bob kept his brother, but yeah, yeah, Bob oh yeah, nepotism, yeah. yeah, nepotism, and it, and that's a legitimate gripe too. Yeah, so. for Kevin Kruger because yeah, like course. he
0: had no accolades. Nope. Other than like, I mean, like I'm sure he he had experiences, right? But it wasn't to the point where like, oh, now you're an assistant at a power five conference. And so now he's at UNLV. So Oklahoma has another assistant spot to fill. Um, duh, have no clue, no idea where Oklahoma's going to get the next coach from. As long as they preach defense, I'm fine with it. Uh, yeah, exactly. But Pooh Williams from Miami. Williamson. Uh, Williams, Yeah, uh, really, really good pickup for Oklahoma.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: 100%. Moving on to the Texas camp thing, a lot of people have seen it on Twitter. There's a He's an 8th grader going into his freshman year. Massive, by the way.
1: Yeah, very tall child.
0: At a Texas camp, he goes and asks to take a picture with Tom Herman, to which Tom Herman obliges and says, okay. And he throws the Sooners number one and flashes the horns down, to which all of Sooner Nation giggled. Most of
1: Nation Nation giggled to it. Yes,
0: and Texas fans are very upsetty spaghetti about it, Including Shocker. one Emmanuel Ocho, who said, "Wait a minute!" Or well, he said, "Way meant, He typed, wayment. but that means, "Wait a minute."
1: Yeah, wait a minute. Yeah. Let me this get Twitter this straight.
0: You're gonna ask for a picture with the man, then disrespect him and his whole university on the sly, then post the picture you asked for on Twitter for some retweets.
1: Kids these days,
0: you know. I've never. You're see- the soft
1: ass here. I mean, come for on, for real,
0: like Texas fans, like really.
1: Do you not understand the backlash you get for this kind of thing? Like, Ellinger, Ellinger, I don't give a shit, what, however it's pronounced. Yeah. RG, soft G, don't care. He doesn't matter. But he, you know, he sends that tweet, the people who disrespect the University of Texas, I'm going to remember all of them. Like, how do you think that's going to be received nationally? Yeah. You don't think Sol- people are going to think you're fucking Charmin? I mean, yeah. like, Come on, dude. Same with Emanuel Acho. Emanuel Acho is a turd sandwich. By the way, I'm saying turd sandwich right now because my friend Weston Watts told me he would buy me a beer if I said turd sandwich on the podcast. So I organically implemented turd sandwich into Emmanuel Acho. Yeah,
0: brother.
1: Yeah, there we go. He owes me a beer tonight. So Emmanuel
0: Acho, but that's just, it's living rent-free in Texas heads and... Really? If taking This confirms my theory that A and that Texas fans are turning into Aggies. It's just like they are. Flipping your your sign that your hand signal upside down completely disrespects your university is the dumbest shit I've heard. Like Oklahoma fans with Texas fans, you know, chide them and like they somehow disrespect them just I don't know by doing I don't know what Like when
1: people yell oh you sucks which Texas fans do during their fight song. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's a rivalry. No rivalry, gives a shit. But then people give the horns down, and they're like, I say, I say, I say. would yeah. like? It's How just, dare you? God, it's just they have no self awareness. It's, it's getting Texas. absurd. It's Texas.
0: They made the Longhorn network and killed the conference. They just have no awareness. They have self awareness, but no awareness. Mm. They're a little vain. A little vain.
1: I'd say self-awareness is an issue. <laughs> you,
0: you talk about a team that's... Uh, you talk about a university, a team that's like, how do you disrespect our you know, university and our community and yet you have a head coach mocking the opposing Drew Locke, quarterback, yeah. Drew Locke, during a game Good acting grief. like a dumbass. So, yeah, there's that. But they forget about that, apparently. Yeah. Whatever, bro. OU softball. They bow it out. At the highest possible. Of course. Feature. I mean, they
1: had that really rough game one, but they really bounced back in game two. I mean, they were playing against a great team. yeah, And they, like, in that press conference after game one, they were not rattled at all. They were like, hey, you know what? This was one game. It was obviously embarrassing, but we know what we're capable of. And it was genuine, too. It wasn't like they didn't look like they were defeated. They were like, you know what? We lost our opening game. This it is what it is. We can come back, and they damn near did it in game two. Right. I mean, they they were close. They were close. Yeah, it was. I can't express how cool that event is adequately enough. Oh yeah, it's, it's awesome. so cool.
0: And what upset and it's going to be
1: here for years to come. So that's really awesome.
0: What upset me the most about it was, I won't mention this person because it's irrelevant. But they said that, like, oh, looks like Oklahoma softball team. they continuing the trend of Oklahoma athletics by just getting there and coming up short. They've won
1: two national championships. and yeah. lo- I mean, it's Look, just... Where the
0: fuck have you been the last five years? They've won three out of five, It was five, just a right? troll
1: job. I mean, it, it is what it is. Do they not win? Like, I know who that is, and <laughs> I like that person, but that was kind of a lame like, tweet. Co- but like
0: that, that was... That's like...
1: That, that was just fishing for engagement there. It so. was just
0: the odd... Uh, it was the oddest thing, and I was like, how do you... This is apples and oranges. Like, they won three out of five. How can you... Because it was 2015, yeah. right? 18 or 17, 18 or 16, 17 or... There was a I think gap, it there was, a, was 13... There was, there was a gap here. It was
1: 13, 16 and 17. So at one point, they had won three in a very short period of time. So.
0: But it's just like, how can you say that when they've consistently been on the cusp? They were number one and they've won national titles m- several... Within the last five, six years, you can't... They're the one of the most dominant, the most dominant team...
1: In that sport, I mean... In it's, that sport.
0: Yeah. I, it was so, such a cheap... Like, like oh, sorry, you know, yada, yada. I was... Didn't know... I thought, you know, I was talking about softball. Like, like well, you can't say what you said and then say, well, I was... I was mentioning football and basketball, but you can't say you were mentioning football and basketball while you specifically hashtag the women's college world series. Yeah. While you're referencing women's softball, that yeah. was the cheapest and misguided tweet, and I I was so angry because these girls, these women, are so good at the yeah. sport. Like Sid Romero gave everything to it. Shane they bust their gave ass. Everything yeah. to it. Kaylee Clifton, everything. It's just like you can't like that. It was the cheapest thing. It was so cheap. Yeah, and I really had an issue with it.
1: It's, I mean, it kind of is what it is, but I like I try not to get too worked up about that kind of thing, because I kind of, I I manage our Twitter account, so I sort of, am forced to live on Twitter a little bit, which is not healthy at all. Right, but. Yeah, it, it was a little weak, I thought.
0: There were some fights worth fighting. I like that, that particular
1: was, person, though, for what it's worth. Yeah, there were
0: some fights worth fighting. There are, and On Twitter, there are a lot of fights not worth fighting. Of course. Fighting on Twitter is stupid. But there are some things that I think like that are pertinent that you need to stand up for somebody, something like that. Uh-huh. It was because it was just ridiculous. Yeah, of but course. anyways, it's Monday. We have the entire rest of the week. What are your plans?
1: Ooh, got a date tomorrow night, so we'll see how that goes. Wednesday night, I've got a U.S. Open draft. Ooh. So, maybe some money. The same guy has won, like, we do it for every major and the Players' Championship, which is the, uh, sort of the de facto fifth major, but, uh... I, the last time I won it was last year's Masters, and the same guy has won every major since then, and the Players' Championship. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking to dethrone this dude. Nick Tesney, you were on the chopping block. Oh, hell yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Then Thursday I'm going to play in a scramble at an oak tree. So there you go. Or that
0: sunscreen, brother.
1: Fuck yeah, dude. I avoided the sunburn at Tulsa Tough. <laughs> we'll see if I... Well, it's it's gonna be played like six p.m. So yeah, I can probably bad, not bad. It's, it's not gonna be too bad.
0: Or then wear whatever you wear to repel mosquitoes.
1: Well, yeah, that too. God, De- I hate is mosquitoes. It deep? Well, see, like, do you want to know a trick?
0: Well, what's the trick?
1: And it's not something that's always a good idea. It's better when you're like camping and, and you're the, not with like girls or anything keep like the that. West Nile away. But eat a clove of garlic. And mosquitoes will not bite you for 24 hours. I swear.
0: I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could do that. See,
1: that's the thing. Your breath's going to smell like shit. Yeah. And plus, eating a clove of garlic is gross. Yeah. So, but, if you really don't want to be bit by a mosquito... Or vampires. Or a vampire. Or a bat. <laughs> don't Google that. But, <laughs> uh... Yeah, a clove of garlic. Pickled garlic works, too. Pickled garlic is easier to stomach. So.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, tomorrow, I mean, I'm going to go buy a grill so we can actually start grilling Fuck for the summer. Yeah, oh, there you subsided. go. Grilling and, and chilling. Yeah, real. And then hopefully, I mean, hopefully for the rest of the week, because me, me and Jack are like watching the NBA finals. It's on behind pop- Kamiar, yeah, it's, it's, and I'm
1: looking at so it. So the I'm like, time. I'm like
0: looking. I'm turning around every so often, and Jack's actually just been looking at it pretty so much. Twenty-seven, the time.
1: twenty-four Warriors and right now. I'm really Kevin Durant is out there.
0: I'm really hoping he. It doesn't get hurt. I, um, well, I was hoping he would, but it's okay. I mean, behind me, I have his autographed jersey from OKC. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. It'll be worth something someday, but I'm hoping later on this week I won't have to watch game six or seven. I'm hoping it just ends tonight, and that's it. But really, I have nothing going on for the rest I of the I want
1: week. Kawhi to win a ring with uh, Toronto. Does that Apple keep... time, Apple time. Did you see that article? <laughs> well, I, I, so I thought it was real. It wasn't real? It's fake. Oh, shit. But no, but I've been out of the
0: loop lately. The I saw things. it on Twitter, and I was like, oh, cool. But how weird and awkward he has been, it made a believe... Because I believed it. I
1: believed it. He's a weirdo. That's <laughs> the thing. The things
0: he has done up till now, you're like, oh, yeah, that's that's totally a kawaii plus, thing.
1: Plus, professional athletes have weird eating habits. Like, I mean, it's yeah. you see that kind of stuff frequently. That's... Because uh, I thought it was real. I'm going to keep proceeding as if it is true and i'm going yeah. to tweet hashtag apple, time, apple time if they win this game
0: because i thought it was 100 real and keegan renault who i was talking to said you know that's fake right i was like no it's not and he sent me the the article like that's yeah, fake I was like okay well he did himself no favors for the last three to four years being completely weird to say, okay, he was perfect might...
1: for San Antonio, and yeah. he left. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... So
0: does this? Does this? If he wins NBA Finals, does he still stay in Toronto?
1: He should. It he, see, The issue with playing in Canada is you're taxed more,
0: and it's also Canada, dude. Toronto's fucking cool.
1: It's cold. Yeah, he's I from, mean, but... he's from Cali. That's true.
0: But a, you go from wearing shorts year round to wearing it's a parka. Like,
1: it's not like he has to spend the whole year in Toronto, though.
0: That's true. All these guys go back to Los Angeles. But Los Los then South again,
1: I mean, it would be cool to play for that fan base. It's a good fan base. Oh, yeah.
0: Hell of a fan base.
1: Toronto is a really cool city. It would be
0: their first championship.
1: Yep, exactly. And the, the city's first championship since the mid-'90s when Joe <laughs> Carter hit that homer. I think that was their last one. I know they won it two years in a row. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that was the first one or the second one, but... Uh, OKC's Joe Carter. Yep. OKC represent. But uh, Oklahoma puts out great baseball players. They just, do. Uh, just uh, They do. Just on a tangent there. I mean, you know, got Mickey Mantle, Johnny Bench, Warren Spahn, mm-hmm. Joe Carter. Lots of dudes. Lots of dudes. Yeah. Per capita, pretty good ratio there.
0: Yeah, Ventura was <laughs> when, <laughs> Robin when, Ventura went to
1: Oklahoma State. Got his ass kicked by Nolan Ryan. Yeah, he did, he did, he did. Got
0: whooped. but uh, Aggie. That's about all i got. You got anything else? I think I'm good. All right, well, follow us on CrimsonCreamMachine.com. There is content dropping all the time, whether it's Jack, me, Seth. Seth is always on the links. My goodness.
1: He's the hot link man. And, you know. And the countdown post. And the countdown post, that's right. going to start helping him with the definitely, countdown definitely. bonus pretty soon, once his work schedule gets a little more free. But, yes, Seth is a... Uh, I always see his name everywhere. Yep. Seth is a frequent, frequent contributor.
0: Definitely. But follow us on Twitter. There's Jack you, at Crimson at CC Machine. Or if you just want to follow him in general at J. Larry Shields. Me calling Robbie and I'm at BoomtownRW. Like I said earlier, guys, we're on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Google Podcasts. Pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes or five-star rating anywhere. Leave us a review. Um, cause it helps other people to find our podcast and it's just, you know, it helps us understand what you like, what you don't like, you know, what you want to hear. So until next time, see you
1: guys later. Give us five stars.